The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. As spiritual seekers, we often receive guidance on which path to follow. This might be necessary for some time, but as we move along, we need to trust our heart and become our own guide. Welcome to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us, a place where we can listen to everyone's heart. Your companion on the journey is Jill Asselin. Come join us now on this path of inner exploration. Here is your host, Jill Asselin. Good afternoon or good evening, everyone. This is Jill. Welcome or welcome back if you listened to the show previously. And thank you very much for for being here today. I just had a a tiny moment of panic because, of course, um, my computer stopped working 10 minutes before the show and I had to restart it. And um, we're using Skype and Skype wouldn't work. And... um, Lots of things, and that's just the way things are. Maybe it's a sign for today's show. I don't know. And I had um, I had some documents um, uploaded and ready to for me to to read or at least to to to, to browse and and uh, and that's the way life is. And it's um, I find that's very interesting because um, this week especially I've been working on 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 quieting my mind and, and stilling my mind. And it looks like, you know, like just now, the last minute, something happens and something creates um, tension, tension in the mind. And um, although I didn't get any message from my mind, it's the kind of thing that the mind thrives on, you know, these kind of last moment um, emergencies. So uh, I should share my my gratitude here because it's... uh, First, it's working, and I'm able to talk to you. And second, um, second, it's you know, life is um, life is alive in a sense, and that's um, that's how we live life. We face um, unexpected unexpected circumstances. So this side, uh, this little uh, anecdotal part, I think, um, I think I'm going to be talking. Um, I don't know how much, but I'm going to be talking today about. Um, about spiritual independence. Um, th- this week and this show felt um, felt a very special. I need to do, to backtrack a little bit and, and give you some um, a bit of a background. I felt very good about the show last week, the inner fortitude. I mean, uh, the, the topic felt really right on um, right on track in terms of timing. How uh, the show is evolving in a sense and moving. And then I had a. Um, an inside, a strong one also, early on about next week's show. And for whatever reason, I thought it would take place next week and not this week. And, and next week, I'm going to be talking about um, what I call resonance skills and how to sharpen, how to hone them. And it's something that I've, 
you know, fortunately, I've been getting a little better at it. Um, it has a lot to do with, with listening and with um, with sensing. You know, it's it's not a it's not a mind function. It's coming from somewhere else, from a different part of our being, um, a different part of our consciousness. You know, when something resonates, uh, it could be because of something you are reading or we are reading. It's sure the the mind or the brain is at work, but um, I think something else is being activated, and. Um, and I think it's very important when at least when I or we get these kind of messages that we depending on what we need to do, but we keep that message in in a corner of our mind or we act on it if there's a need to act. Um, it's very much what I described last week when I get so excited about uh, my story about meeting Nicola Poussin in Rome in uh, 1660 or so. I mean, for a long time, I thought that there was something... Um, cooking um, you know it's hard to explain I'm sure you have that kind of a sense when something is it's tickling you is something is um, there's a pull and um, that has happened to me on its other areas or other subjects and, and I don't know why there's a pull but I keep it again in a corner of my mind or on the back burner whatever feels more appropriate but um and I have some other areas of my spiritual path that I need to explore. And some of them, the cathars at the moment, seem to be on the, really on the back burner for whatever reason. Um, I don't get that many messages from them these days. I mean, also from the people in the south of France. But I'm sure it's going gonna, it's gonna to change. It's going to change. It's going to change by the time the summer comes. So I don't want to say too much today about these resonance skills, but I think it's something really that we need to consciously work on, sharpen, um, hone, and uh, and develop because they are, I think, uh, very essential. Um, and I'm not even talking about being a clairvoyant or a clairaudient. At least it's not my way of sensing uh, what comes to me. So today's shows felt much more like an um, an in between show and. Um, the word that came to me first was like segue, and I don't like the word segue very much because segue feels it's it's a word that is not very meaningful to me first, uh, possibly because I'm not an Anglophone by birth. But I think it's also a difficult word to understand. Why I understand the word way, but I don't understand the word seg s e g. And I thought, you know, this idea of segue and connection and link. And yesterday came so many messages about the bridge, about the bridge, about, um, yeah, there was a very powerful article, I will, I will be talking about it, called Mending the Bridge for the Buddha. It came into my life yesterday morning as I was, um, you know, browsing the net and uh, a website called uh, Summit Lighthouse. And I think I've read this article yesterday three or four times and I, I shared it with people. And it failed again right on the money and possibly, possibly because I created, that's my interpretation, but possibly because I created the space today for this show, for this kind of in-between show, uh, this kind of a segue or connection uh, show. And it made me, you know, the fil en aiguille, as we say in French, you know, from one... Um, connection to another, it made me go back to one of the posts um, that I wrote about two years ago 
about my spiritual journey, I'm, I'm very grateful because I was able to follow the to follow the thread. You know, when you when you pull the thread in a sense out of the yarn, and then um, and then you keep pulling and pulling, and things come. And I'm not definitely not through in terms of uh, my absorbing the the nutrients uh, from this article. But I know, you know, it's more than resonance here. It's, I know there's something for me in that article. And so I will um, I will share a bit more about it um, with you in the next few minutes. And I think in the next segment. What I wanted to go back to is this idea of. Um, Again, I don't think I'm going to say much about spiritual independence today. I think it's a very important um, asset. And it's pretty much the ability to rely on our own, you know, on our own inner fortitude, our own self. The power we have within, there's so little of that power that we tap on a regular basis because we often tend to look outside ourselves or rely on other people and call them whatever, masters, gurus, mentors and, and and again i keep seeing that on a on a regular basis i've been you know talking about that quite a bit so i'm not going to say much um anyway this is only my life and uh, there's thing i can do about my life but um i can send energy out but um if some people at least some of that i observe are still very much um into listening, into absorbing what someone else is saying. I think it's it's good to absorb and listen, but I think we have to distill things for ourselves and do not put other people on a pedestal because once we put other people on a pedestal, it means in most cases that we put ourselves down. We belittle ourselves. And it's, um, it's not a very healthy attitude. I don't think so. And I've seen that happening so many times when I was in that Buddhist organization. I mean... And people in the U.S. during meetings were putting up very high, way, way, way up the, the president of the organization, which is in, was in, in Japan. And I don't get it sometimes. You know, you, you talk about someone, supposedly a great person, which is fine, but um, someone you've never met is out there in his own universe, surrounded by all his, his gods. And, uh, and it's supposed to encourage you. And... Um, I don't know how it does, but um, for some, um, for some, I, I assume it's helpful. It's helpful to live in their own bubble. When the bubble, I think we need to break. I think that's the idea around this this question of spiritual independence. It's it's uh, it's all about breaking through the illusion. And I think relying on other people in our lives. Again, we can have coaches. We can have friends. Uh, we can have counselors, I guess, where we have questions. It's very important to open up and talk to the universe and, and whoever to talk to whomever the, the universe sends us. I'm not saying we're not, you know, we should stay within our own um, small world. We need to reach out when we need, um, when we need so-called company on the path. But I think the attitude as, you know, as looking at other people is really what, what matters. We can be friends in a sense. We can be um, on a very equal basis with them. And, and by that, I think it's the idea of, of breaking that bubble, that bubble of... I equate the bubble with the illusion, the illusion of the world we live in. Maybe that's the illusion that someone else is going to come to Earth and save us but there's no one out there to save us. Um, 
the place to go is the place within. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind about that. And um, this question again about spiritual independence um, came because of uh, us watching last Saturday a beautiful uh, a movie um, about called Teeny Creatures, uh, Teeny Giants. It was a 3D movie at the Pacific Science Center. And the story of a chipmunk in the, in the forest, a uh, very young chipmunk, I don't know, maybe two or three months old. And pretty much like, you know, a kind of a, a chipmunk, like a, a squirrel that you would uh, see in forests. And um, the guy, the little guy was preparing for winter. And he was amassing in his, uh, in his den quite a number of uh, acorns, a huge number. And at some point, uh, another um, chipmunk, maybe two years older, started to challenge him and, and stole his reserves for the winter. And there was no way that he could survive you know, without this reserve. And uh, in the first place, they thought, the two of them thought, and uh, the younger one lost. So he retreated. He went into a different part of the forest, not very far, I assume, and tried to gather um, some more acorns. But for whatever reason, he wasn't, uh, wasn't successful. And what he decided to do in the end is to challenge again the older chipmunk in order to get his, uh, his treasure back. And that's what he did. And this time, I don't know how long after the first attempt it was, but this time he was successful. And the older chipmunk ran, ran away, and he understood that the younger one had more energy and stamina. He was fighting for his own survival, what uh, anyone wouldn't do. I mean, maybe we are not confronted with this situation in our daily, uh, daily lives. Some of us are, I'm sure. I'm talking about physical survival, shelter, and food. Um, but in the end, the young one, you know, won and, and, um, and recovered his, his treasure of acorns. And we can see so many of them in his den, um, going almost up to the, what I would consider the roof or the ceiling of his den. And um, at some point, we could see the, the entrance to his den being covered with ice. The winter was coming. And there was no way that he would do, uh, that he would be able to go outside. He had to rely, you know, it's another nice analogy, but he had to rely what, what, on what he had within. His own strength, at the same time, his own acorns. And so the metaphor is very apt at this level, that, you know, what we accumulate, uh, the treasure that we accumulate within, serves us uh, along the path at every step. And it serves us in ways that we can't really fathom at the time that we are collecting those pebbles or those acorns. But it's really, um, it's really a gift. It's a gift of strength. Uh, I think it's a gift of stamina. It's a gift of resilience. We never know what life is going to throw at us. And um, I think it's a good idea to get prepared in case there's a winter, a winter of a life coming into our, our universe. And that was a beautiful story. And it was, you know, a few minutes of the chipmunk and a few minutes about um, 
a mouse, like a, a gray mouse called a grasshopper mouse, living in the desert in Arizona. I think it was the Sedona desert, but it doesn't really matter. But you could tell it was very dry. And there was an old, um, an old car, abandoned, rusty car. Some sort of a pickup, at least that must have been 50 years old. And that's where the mother, the mother mouse, decided to create a nest. And we could see the babies there. And at some point, the mouse that we were following in the, in the documentary um, kind of escaped, you know. Wanted to find out for herself what was life was all about. And she faces, she faced so many dangers. The, the first one being uh, a snake, like a cobra, I think, that was chasing her. And she escaped almost miraculously uh, from the bite from that deadly snake. There was no doubt that uh, her independence would have come to a halt had she been caught by the snake. And we could see it was a very, I don't know how they would film that, but at some point, the, the mouse jumped into the air to escape. Uh, she realized that she was followed and, and chased by the snake, and the snake jumped at the same time. And it was a question of a few, I don't know, a couple inches that she escaped. And um, again, uh, fighting for survival. And another ordeal that she escaped was um, a storm, a rainstorm. And um, you could see the water coming down from the mountain where she was, or the, the hill, and flooding sort of a valley where she was close by, and she had to find shelter in a, in a small, um, sort of a hole, an open hole on the side. But she was already all wet, and they explained to us that she had to dry herself as soon as possible because she wouldn't be able to survive in that climate, in that wet climate. Um, and she lived on. She survived. And uh, I don't know what other uh, instances we saw of these two small animals. But when the documentary ended, we could see the little mouse finding her way home, finding her way, her way to her mother's den, and um, all the mice were hiding in sort of a tube, you know, coming out of the, the, rusty, the rusty pickup. And there was a way to get in for that tube into a, maybe a larger area. And she went in for a few seconds, and it looked like she, she stopped. Um, she smelled, whatever, you know. She got a sense of what was going on in the, in the dam, a uh, very cozy place, very secure, you know. Uh, a mother had um, gotten a Scorpio earlier on, so I think her siblings were um, enjoying this Scorpio, uh, like a yellowish one. Um, and at some point she realized, you know, that's not where I'm meant to be. So she turned around, she got back out, and I assumed that she never came back. And we saw fighting later on with another kind of a, a big insect with lots of um, legs and sort of a carapace also. It wasn't quite a Scorpio, but I think the insect could bite. And in the end, this, this young mouse, this young fellow, was able to win again, just like the chipmunk. 
and that forged our own, um, our own character, our own um, resilient um, tapestry in a sense. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a way to lay down your path for the rest of your life when you learn so young and trying to make a connection, a bridge with um, what we are going through. We never know how young or, or ancient we are on the path. But we face those kinds, the same kinds of obstacles in their own, of course, in their own uh, shape and, and context. Whatever it is, you know, whatever we, we experience in our childhood, wherever we come from in terms of, um, I don't know, uh, you know, a dysfunctional family, a place where we had not enough food. Uh, there's so many ways we, we get into the world and so many ways we savor, in a sense, or unsavor uh, the first few years of our life, which tend to leave a mark on our psyche, a mark that we need to, I don't know if the word erase is the first, the first that comes to mind, but... Um, I think we need uh, the mark, I think the imprint, I think, would be a better word um, to use. We need to deal with that imprint and, uh, and the groove, possibly, that these events left in our lives. And it could be in our very young life. It could be at a teenage level. It could be any time. I mean, when we lose uh, a parent or a spouse or a sibling, there's events in our lives that are disastrous and, and leave us with a, a very painful mind. And I think, I dearly think, what well, after watching the, the, the documentary last Saturday, that, you know, these two small and tiny giants could be beautiful examples of what we, what we want or what we can achieve in our lives. And that's the reason why I wanted to honor them, in a sense, in, in today's shows. And uh, again, the, the space was available. The space and the time was available. And it came, it came magically to, to fit in uh, beautifully. So thank you very much. I will uh, speak with you in about uh, a couple of minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Now there's a new destination for video content. VoiceAmerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support you. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Jeel Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Hello again, this is Jill, nurturing the spiritual spelunker in, um, in all of us. Um, if you're listening today, and if you've listened in the past, I'm sure there's a, some sort of a spelunker within you. I don't know what the spelunker is looking for, is digging for, but um, obviously, especially if you're listening for more than a few minutes, there's people who just come and go, and it's fine. But there might be something that resonates with you in, in what I'm sharing. Um, I'm sharing mostly about my spelunking path and what comes to me, and it obviously doesn't come to me by accident. It comes to me sometimes by, you know, synchronicity or it's a response uh, to what I've been asking for, what I've been asking for to the universe. And there's, um, you know, there's some beautiful moments, uh, moments of wonder in a sense on the path. And it doesn't have to be a, a huge thing, but when... Um, Again, yesterday, this, this concept of a bridge came into, into my awareness and started to fit perfectly with this notion of a segue, a segue show that I had for, planned for today. And there's something that, that shows um, alignment is, um, is what comes to mind. Alignment... As much as I can, I try to align myself with the universe and with the way my path is going. And I do that by being open to receiving, receiving what comes my way. And um, receiving is one thing and then um, showing gratitude for what comes and honoring it by, by doing whatever needs to be done. And I received yesterday, again, I mentioned that... Um, very interesting post. Um, you know, it's a very old one. It's an excerpt from a dictation by Mother Mary, which was given on December 24th, 1983. So more than 30 years ago. It was published in the Pearls of Wisdom. And it's available if you're interested into it in it uh, on a website called Summit, Summit Lighthouse. And then you search for Mending the Bridge for Buddha. And it was really two, a two-part post, a two-part article, and I'm not sure I can connect the two parts. The first one is about the journey of the soul, what we go through. And it's something I connected very deep down, even though I don't understand the whole thing, but at least I can understand some of it. And I can tell that what I understand connects very much with, with what I'm going through. And the second, part, the second part is about mending the bridge, the bridge for the Buddha. And I will, I will explain what it is. It's a very nice metaphor. 
and it got me going, but uh, it got me asking questions. The first part, again, refers to the journey of the soul, the great mystery of the journey of the soul to the center of the heart, to the center of our heart. And it, it tells about, um, I will paraphrase here instead of, there's only one paragraph I would like to read to you, one or two. But it's all a question of, of dealing with the fire, the fire of what comes into our life, the fire of what comes onto our path. And it, it was very meaningful because I've been dealing for quite some time now and more and more consciously with what I call um, controlling the mental body or controlling the mind. I have a sense that I am some, talking about the initiations. I am somewhere between the second and the third. And I've read in, in a, a very beautiful book called Bridges, um, published and written by a guy called Art Juriense, a guy from South Africa. I read the book three or four years ago, and it made so much sense. Um, I think this guy, Art Juriense, compiles most of the writings from Alice Bailey, which were given to her by the Tibetan uh, Master Joal. And he does, Art, does such a nice summary of all this literature and put it, puts it in a way that is very palatable, very uh, digestible, which is not the case with the Alice Bailey books, uh, which were written right after the Second World War. And for whatever reason, what Art uh, described about these um, initiations um, made a lot of sense. And I don't have the file in front of me. I opened it up not so long ago um, just to refresh my, uh, my visual memory. But again, you know, we find some, uh, some pebbles on the path. And some pebbles are more meaningful than others. And some pebbles we decide to keep like a nice stone. Our son um, loves to pick up stones just about anywhere and then brings them home and sometimes put them into his box, his toy box. And I think spiritually speaking, we do, we do the same. We find some gems or some things we just connect more than others. And um, again, this journey into the mind, this journey into the control of the mind has been meaningful. And has been meaningful as well because uh, there has been for a number of months, I wouldn't say if I would use the word years, but uh, so much coming at me uh, in terms of irritation of the mind, in terms of, of uh, the fire, you know, the fire, the burning fire of the mind. And years after years, month after month, this fire has lessened. And it has lessened, it's not so much because of what comes at me, it, it has lessened because of what has happened within me, because of all the work that I've been doing. And again, it's not a kind of specific work. It's not like um, praying for my mind to become more quiet. What I'm doing is just like what anyone else is doing. I'm walking my path, whatever shape and, and form it takes. I'm doing meditation. I'm doing the radio show. I'm 
reading, I'm sharing with others, I'm trying to support people as much as I can. There's nothing really special. It's not like I need to go out there and save people from whatever illusion they have. I do most of my interactions on Facebook and I met some very nice and neat people. And some of them ask me questions and I ask questions to some of them and that's just a beautiful exchange of the heart that I'm trying to um, to hone, to, um, to nurture. That's the word I was looking for. Nothing really special. I don't think I've been doing any kind of a you know, special retreat. But this week, um, this work, this task, this duty of you know, controlling the fire in the mind or the fire coming to the mind has taken on a, a special significance. Um, I started last week, I started taking a class, a class about uh, creation, creation with the, the seven mighty Elohim, Elohim as like different entities that are out there. There's about seven of them and they have all uh, female counterparts. So last week, uh, within that class, it's a, it's a virtual class that I take. Uh, it's live on Monday evening, and uh, there's a recording that I can, like we can listen to. But the theme for last week was the theme of, of the will, the, the desire, um, the will to do, the will to be, the will to become. And um, the Elohim for the week, for the first week, was uh, Hercules. Hercules and his... Um, his counterpart, um, which escapes to me at the moment, um, it ends with an A. And this week, the Elohim is um, Cassiopeia. Uh, Cassiopeia, I thought it was a, a female in my mind, uh, like a Greek character, but it seems to be a male. And I've only read from the book. The book is also created, um, the book talks about the seven steps of precipitation. And it's how to create those seven steps based on the teachings or based on the, the coaching of the seven Elohims. And again, there's a different step every week. Uh, this week is all about perception. Perception, I think perception of what the divine minds sends us. And it sends it, sends it to us through the... Again, we go back to the mental, to the mental body for the mind. But for the clear and the pure mind. So the emphasis for this week, and again, not an accident, the emphasis for this week, what uh, this Elohim, um, Cassiopeia and Minerva are encouraging us to do is to steal the mind. And again, I think it's an essential... Uh, essential attribute for for whatever wants to happen, at least in my life. There's about a 10 or 12 of us taking that class, and I'm in touch with only one person. On a, on a regular basis, we have paired, and I'm in touch with a, a nice lady in, on the West Coast as well called Marjorie. And um, it's much more a question, again, of tending the field, in this case, the mind, so that there's some sort of a, I call it a divine dropping. 
there was a dropping last week um, in terms of the wheel, you know, in terms of uh, supposedly making a decision. And uh, to me, it didn't really fail. That's what the, the class teacher encouraged us to do, to, to make a decision about what we are going to create within these uh, eight weeks. It's an eight-week class. And um, decision, to me, sounds very much like a rational term. We do, we do some analysis. We take into account some assumptions, some hypotheses. And then possibly we need to analyze problems, if there's problems, and then we, um, we decide on the best course of action, usually. There would be some action involved. And in this case, in this class, there's also some creation involved, which means, obviously, some action. But really, the, the idea, or, or the, I wouldn't call it a trick, but really the way to go is to, to ask the divine, the I am presence, um, to help us out, to help us out birth this new, this new whatever, to help us uh, in this endeavor. And um, I had a beautiful dropping last Friday, Friday morning, and um, I call it a dropping because it was there. And um, there was a repository. There was something available. When I woke up that Friday morning, it was, I looked at the clock, it was 4.58. And again, it's something, obviously it's not tangible, but it's something that is there, and it's not a dream. It's not even a vision. And what I received in, that, in my divine repository was two words, new school. And I don't know yet what it means, but I think it has something to do with learning and something to do with teaching, if it's all about a school. And that's, um, that's the path I'm willing to... The will, once again, the desire to explore within the next uh, six weeks, providing again that this week I can uh, I can steal my mind. And um, as I said, I've noticed over the years, over the month, some progress in terms of being able to steal my mind. It like the quote unquote attacks or the fires. Um, coming from outside myself and coming usually from my immediate environment doesn't produce the same kind of chaos. And I was writing to a friend of mine, Lyndon, who has been part of the show last, uh, last fall. And I was saying in a sense that when these attacks, when these comments, comments come into my life, my reaction is, oh, here they go again. I would salute them and then move on. And then, um, and then let the thought go, you know, let the... And we can tell, I'm sure you can tell, when something goes into your mind and creates some irritation, some annoyance, um, there's something burning. And I think the, the, the analogy of fire is very good. And you can tell how, you know, how burning this fire is, how acute this fire is, how, I would like to use the word painful, because I had some deep moment of pains when my mind was clearly on fire. 
And it's not longer the case. There may be a, a bit of an irritation, a bit of a, a movement, you know, like there's an ebb and flow in the mind and it's not a pleasant one. And there's a, a bit of a thought, you know, of retaliation. That has been my pattern, my, my child, childhood and maybe childish pattern. And I've been able to recognize it over the years and also to put it under control. And, um, but again, it's no longer this all-consuming fire that I've been feeling for so many years. And it's very reassuring, very reassuring when you can, you know, to understand how much progress you make on the path, you have to go within. That's where you see the blessings that you have received thanks to the work that you are doing. And again, I'm not going to tell you what kind of work you need to do. It all depends on uh, what goes on in your life and where you are on the path. I just wanted to, to read, um, to finish this, um, this little story about um, the journey of the soul coming from uh, this article. Two paragraphs. And I wrote underneath, you know, this is so meaningful at this point in my life. So for, the first one goes that um, thus, thus, day by day and little by little, you experiment with this increment of fire. And as you make the journey again for, in, for the untransmuted layers, you guard the harmony, you guard the consciousness. You do not allow yourself to engage. Exactly what I've been doing lately. There's a thought, there's an irritation. There's even a challenge. There's someone picking at you in a sense, and you keep your calm. You decide not to engage. You decide to ignore what comes at you. And I will keep reading. None of your chakras, your feelings, emotions, or thoughts engage, excuse me, engage with the unreality that is being consumed. And therefore, my precious ones, you become the victor. And you become the victor of your own life because you've won over something that has been torturing you like a good dragon, in a sense. The image that comes to mind is a dragon, but a cheering dragon, um, a loving dragon, uh, offering you some fire, some transmuting fire that allows you to create whatever you need to create to lessen the pain of the fire in the mind. And the second paragraph I wanted to read um, right down below in the article. It says, once the human creation of thyself can see that there is nothing it can do to rouse you, upset you, engage you, ca cause you to believe the lie or the illusion, become burdened with the records of doubt, then it does give up. It does give up. It will no longer manifest the ferocious face of the beast, but it sees the end come, passes through the death holes, and you are also vigilant. And it's the message, my friends, for this um, last segment. Be vigilant as to what comes into your life, as to what comes into your mind. This is, I believe, certainly in my case, where all the work needs to be done. 
So thank you very much for being here today. I'm very grateful for your presence and for your listening. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Jill Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Hello again, this is Jill. Thank you very much for listening today, tonight. I totally appreciate your presence. So I was talking about right before, in the second segment, I was talking about the mind and the synchronicity in terms of my striving to, striving to steal the mind and control the mind. And yesterday, again, I was reading a, a portion from my friend Lyndon, um, who talks about the mind and the fact that it's impossible to live in the mind alone. We know that, but at the same time, the mind is, um, the mind is useful. The, the, I'm going to read a small paragraph here. The, the absolutely incredible thing is that she talks about a rope bridge, which is very much the image that I got yesterday in this article about mending the bridge, mending the bridge for the Buddha. And um, it's just the way it is. So it says, it goes, it's impossible to leave the knowledge alone, always in its shadow, deeply longing to create it, to possess it, to make it permanent. It's only a means whereby a raft, a rope bridge to cross the roaring torrents threatening to overcome trapped angels. Knowledge consists of useful and fascinating patterns, but it is a digression 
to make its analysis and amassments our life's work. Instead, we just need to immerse ourselves in shifting across that unstable bridge and stepping into the infinite field of awareness, or simply open the door of the house and walk inside. And the door of the house that she talks about is the door of our heart. You know, when we live from the heart, when we immerse ourselves into it, when we call from, for divine expression, divine communication through the heart, that's how we got messages. That's how we got uh, the dropping I was talking about just previously. And it's... Um, there's a special, um, how did I describe that? A special quality to it. Again, I knew last Friday when I received this dropping that it wasn't just my imagination. It came from a different part of my being that I touched um, once in a while. It's very much a sacred part. And at the same time, I was explaining to my friend Altai what had happened. And it was a beautiful uh, confirmation of synchronicity. I was trying to find a metaphor to describe how this dropping came into my, eye, into my life. And the metaphor that came as I was writing to him is um, that of a bird. A bird dropping something in the nest of my consciousness. It's, I don't know if it's an egg. The, egg the, the image of an egg didn't come to mind. But there was a dropping. There was possibly nourishment. At the same time, I mentioned that to him. He was on the other side of the globe. And the word phoenix, uh, the bird, appeared to him on his, on his desktop. And the second time he went upstairs to get a book um, on a shelf, and his eyes gazed into another book where the word phoenix was written. And these things are small. We can look into them as being big, as being... Um, as being meaningful or not, it doesn't really matter. It matters, again, what is synchronous to your life is not to mine. And, and we know there's a knowing that doesn't come from the mind, that doesn't come from knowledge, um, which we need very much to acknowledge, which we need to, to cultivate as well. And, and uh, I think we cultivate that knowing, that divine happening, that divine happenstance, by cultivating those resonance skills that I'm going to talk about next week. So to go back to this metaphor of the bridge that I found in the, in the dictation from Mother Mary, it talks about a bridge. Um, it's sort of a rope bridge. It's a high bridge in the Himalayas. And... Um, you know, there's balls. Um, you can imagine a, a bridge on the high mountains. It's like a rope bridge, sort of, with planks or boards at the bottom. And it's a very fragile bridge. And at the same time, the Buddha is coming. He must cross over this bridge. And our role is to secure it, to make sure that it doesn't break when the Buddha walks the bridge. And there are indeed some weak places in the, weak places in the bridge. And we need to find them. We must test the bridge for ourselves to make sure that when the Buddha crosses the bridge, he will be able to get to the other side. And that's why it's called mending the bridge. We must mend each and every one 
so that when the Buddha cross, crosses over, he will have a safe and enjoyable passage. And the responsibility for doing this is upon us. And uh, it says later on, the Buddha is your soul. With all your ingenuity, ingenuity, you prepare the way of the soul's passage and you realize, blessed hearts, that if you leave a weak spot in the bridge, a weak link in the chain, when the soul must pass the most severe testing and temptation and trial, it will not have the strength to endure and that particular place in the bridge will break and therefore the soul will fall into the abyss. And I was, you know, wondering, the analogy, I think, refers to the weak places, the weak balls or planks in our lives. And um, we prepare the way for the soul's passage. And I, and I was questioning myself, I, don't, I didn't get any answer, what are the weaknesses in my life, in my spiritual life, that I need to attend to? And um, this is an open question. And um, I assume it will be revealed to me uh, in the next few in the next few weeks or in the next few, I don't know. Further down it says, you already know where you are strong for you lead your, by your right hand and your strength. Therefore, examine what is missing and become your strong spherically. And let your strength be at each sign of the clock. No, each of you is a plank in the bridge, a part of the rope. Will you be the weak link whereby the community itself breaks or breaks down? And the Buddha cannot pass for lest he steps upon that weak link. And honestly, again, I don't have any answer. And I'm, I'm sharing with you that, that no answer. But what it made me think also is, uh, and maybe that's the reason it came to me, I don't know. It made me think of what happened to me about three, four years ago. And that could be a, a segue of a bridge. At the time, I was, I was talking to someone within me that I called the old man. And there was a dialogue at the time. I, I know I was uh, being coached by my friend Lev on the, on the East Coast. The year must have been 2011 or 2012. And I had a very active dialogue with that old man, a, a wise man, which I assume at the time was my soul. And um, I, I, I wrote a post on my blog, which talk about my, talks about my hero's journey. I wrote it on August 1st, 2013. And um, when a friend of mine based in Scotland uh, read these posts, and especially my dialogue, the story of my dialogue with the old man, he gave me the name of, this, the name of a psychopath. Apparently that's what it is. It's like an entity within you, or within us, that talks to us. And um, I found that very um, interesting because in a sense, I was asking or talking to the old man. I wrote things down and I would be getting answers, instantaneous answers from this old man. And this has stopped, had stopped at some point. And from my understanding, it's because this old man 
this kind of entity um, has been integrated within me. But the, the beauty of um, the beauty of reflecting upon this this experience with the old man, two things came back to me. Well, the first one is the first vision that I couldn't explain, but when I first saw the old, this old man about four years ago, uh, I don't know if it was in a session with my coach or alone on my own when I was meditating, I, I could see this old man coming out of a cuckoo clock. Why a cuckoo clock? I don't know, like a German type of clock, you know, when there's a cuckoo bird that comes to ring, uh, to sing every hour or every half an hour. And... Um, and the cuckoo or the old man coming out of the clock was facing a snowy area full of pine trees. And it looked like it was starting to teach. Or at least it was talking. And I believe it was talking to the pine trees. And I'm sure that the pine trees were listening. And um, this is where you know, this, this vision has taken me from reading this article yesterday to sharing it with you today and to questioning about um, the, weak, uh, the weak places, the weak planks or weak boards in my life. And I'm just sharing here in a few seconds that are left with me, with, me, with you, uh, what is going on in my, in my, in my consciousness. How things are starting to call us and uh, to make sense. And perhaps it's time for me to, to get back to that uh, initiatory phase where I met the old man. And I think that's what I'm going to do in the next few, um, next few hours or next few days. Go back to the sayings of this old man and honor the bridge that was, that was created, the bridge in a sense to, to the past. So I would like to thank you once again for listening today. I wish you uh, a wonderful week, and I hope that the theme of next week uh, resonates with you. Thank you very much, and uh, goodbye. A bientôt. Thank you for joining us on Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. Your personal journey, assisted by your guide and companion, Gia Asselin, will continue next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be sure to tune in again.